Why is that? Why, why is confidence more important than authenticity? Well, because, um, you know, confidence is contagious. I don't think anybody wants to be around people who are, who are filled with self-doubt and show that. Uh, Amy Cuddy's famous TED Talk talks about faking it until you make it. I think that is completely correct. I mean, you know, this idea, I think authenticity is, is grossly overrated. Authentic, authenticity says that you ought to be true to who you are. Uh, but you need actually to not be true to who you are. You need to be true to two things. Number one, what the people around you need from you. And number two, the person that you're in the process of becoming. What's going on, everybody? Ryan Caligiuri here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. We got our interview locked and loaded with Jeffrey Pfeffer. We talk all about power. We talk about different elements that make up power, why you need power, maybe some of the negative side effects of power. He didn't like that when I brought that up. (laughs) In any case, it was great talking to the man, extremely knowledgeable, a great guest, and I'd love to have him back on the show. So without further ado, let's crack right into this one, you guys. I'll catch you back here on the back end of this episode, but uh, here's the interview with Jeffrey Pfeffer. Enjoy. Everybody, I am so happy to welcome uh, our guest today, the author of Power, Why Some People Have It and Others Don't. Jeffrey, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderfully. I love the name of your podcast, Cut the Crap. <laughs> Thank you. So again, Jeffrey, I gave your book a read, and um, like we were talking about before we actually um, started the show here, I'm very interested in the idea of power. This notion of power, it's kind of complex, so I got to go right to the expert yourself, but before we get into the whole idea of the book, we got to tell people who you are, what you do, and uh, then we'll take it from there. So I'm Jeffrey Pfeffer. I teach at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University in the field of organizational behavior. And I've taught over the years courses in human resource management as well as the core course in organizational behavior. But for the last, I don't know how many years, I've taught an elective called the Paths to Power, which is actually one of the most popular Electives at Stanford and versions of this course are now taught really all over the world. So we're talking to the guy when it comes to power. So, Jeffrey, why don't we break right into it? What is power? Like, what is power? What is this thing? Power is the ability to get your way in situations in which there are uh, disagreements about what to do. So, So if there's no disagreement, there's no need for you to exercise power influence. When there are disagreements then it becomes important for you to exercise power influence. So the simplest illustration of power is I'm married to the amazing Kathleen. Kathleen and I have, as men and women often do, very different tastes in movies. So if we're going to have a video on the weekend, the question is, are we going to have some angst-ridden, tension-filled, stress-filled thing that I love or (laughs) something that's more comedic that she loves? And you can picture who normally wins that argument. So there you go. The disagreements, power is how disagreements about what to do, whether it's strategy or product launches or product features or whatever, power is how disagreements get resolved. You know, who has the most influence to basically get their way in contested situations. Why is it, again, this is coming right from your book, why do some people have power and others don't? Well, there are many, there are many reasons. The fundamental reason in one, in, you know, the fundamental reason in 30 seconds is that some people are able to get out of their own way and remove the inhibitions and, uh, and, and self, 
kind of the, the, the self-inhibitions that they put on themselves that keep them from doing what is necessary to have power, and others, half fewer of those inhibitions in the first place are, are able to get rid of them. I think that's one reason. And, the, and then there are some other reasons, of course, why some people have power and others don't. Some people have been better able to develop the personal qualities that bring power, which we can talk about if you want. Some people have been better able uh, to engage in the strategies that produce power, including things such as networking and uh, flattering up and doing all the things that you have to do if you want to be influential. But the, but the most fundamental reason why some people have it and others don't is that some people are able uh, to do what is required and other people have all these kind of things that say, I'm not a networker, I won't do this, I won't do that, I won't do the other thing. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to play football, you have to play football. It may be a tough game, you may get a concussion, you may get injured, but those are the rules of football. If you don't want to play, you don't get on the field. And the same with power and, and organizational life. If you, um, you know, if you, you can opt out of the game, which is fine, but if you're going to opt in, you have to understand how it is played, and it is really a full-contact sport, and you have to be ready and able to play as hard as everybody else. You've already alluded to a number of different things that maybe people can do to increase power. Can we delve a little bit deeper into that? So different actions or different qualities that we have to develop, because I'm sure there's people out there who hear your definition of power and they say, yeah, I want to win more. I want to negotiate better. I want to go in the boardroom and win more. How do I do that? So what kind of qualities do you need to develop and uh, what kind of skills do you need to have? Wow, that's a big question. So the qualities, I think, you know, number one, I think you need ambition and drive because power requires, I think, effort and sacrifice. And you're not going to make that effort and sacrifice if you're not serious about winning and, and drive. You know, many people say, I'd like to play better golf. I'd like to play better tennis. I'd like to be a better piano player. But they're not really willing to put in the time and effort required. And I think that's true for power as well. So the first thing is, do you have the ambition and drive to do it? Secondly, do you or can you develop energy? Um, you know, energy is contagious, as everybody knows, who's ever worked with an energetic person, that energy fill flows out and, and, and causes other people to work harder and better. But similarly, you have to be able to put in uh, lots of hours. I know of very few powerful people who don't work long and hard. I think a third quality is the ability to have um, to understand where other people are coming from, to have empathic understanding, to be able to read what, the, what they want and what their interests are so that you can uh, take that into account as you engage in negotiations or try to influence them. I think a fourth quality which is really important is the ability to tolerate conflict. Many people are conflict averse. They don't want to, when they have disagreements, they want to withdraw from the situation rather than stand and fight. And the ability to tolerate conflict is, I think, very important because life, you know, kind of, in the words of a friend of mine who used to be New York School's chancellor, conflict is simply the occasion for somebody else's learning and understanding. Mm. So conflict is part of, I think, part of organizational life. You have to be willing to go into that and embrace it. I think another quality is focus. Um, you know, in the olden days, if you put a bunch of dried grass out, nothing happens. You put a magnifying glass over those uh, that dried grass and it lights on fire. What is the magnifying glass done? It is focused the sun's rays. Similarly, what does a laser do? A laser focuses light beams. So focus produces more power, more energy. And people who try to do a lot of things basically wind up doing none of them very well, <clears throat> as opposed to those human beings who are able to focus on a few 
objectives, a few critical things, and get them done with great efficacy. You know, I was kind of surprised as you were going through these, each and every single one of them. These are these are tough qualities to essentially build on your own. A lot of this will come as a result of who you surround yourself with, who you, who you work with, uh, who your friends are. Um, how much of an influence does that have on your ability to, um, to generate power for yourself? Well, it's a huge, uh, it has a huge effect. I think, you know, so we live in a social world, almost everything that you or anybody else wants to accomplish is going to be accomplished only through the help, assistance, advice, aid of other people. And so the relationships that one builds in one's life is, uh, is absolutely critical uh, to achieving power and influence. And the problem here is that people oftentimes naturally enough, are comfortable with people that they know well, close friends, family, and so on. Uh, but the be- be- most benefit that you get is actually from people to whom you are weakly tied, who you don't know that well, but who, because you don't know them that well, probably travel in different c- circles than you do, and therefore can provide you non-redundant information and social contacts. So you need you need to get out of your comfort zone in building relationships. And also you need to be, I think, a little more thoughtful and strategic than most people are. So you need to figure out, you know, given your particular industry, your particular focus, what you're trying to do, who are the people that are the most critical for you to meet and know and who could sponsor you and make you successful and then figure out quite thoughtfully how are you going to meet those people and how are you going to get them on your side, how are you going to build them into allies. And um, and many people say, well, <clears throat> that's too instrumental approach to social relationships for me. That's too um, that's too strategic. I just like to meet people and hang out with who I like and et cetera. And that's all fine. But again, the people who are going to have the power are the ones who understand who they need to get on their side and how they're going to go about doing it and are thoughtful and strategic in how they build social relationships. Yeah, that to me is, is one of the, the bigger takeaways here in that your social network, who you have in your social circle, plays a really big role in terms of how you develop. I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of college students and university students listening to this podcast, Jeffrey, and so a lot of them, you know, by nature, they come out of high school and they get into school, they don't have a great deal of power already ingrained in them. They might be charismatic. They might uh, be okay with, with, with conflict. Uh, they might be able to focus themselves. Um, but again, they kind of look at things and they say, well, you know what, I don't really have the right people around me. Um, what kind of people do you think they need to be around? Do they need to be around people who are you know, senior executives? Do they need to be around you know, who, who, who typically has the kind of traits that exude power? Who do they need to be around? Well, you need to be around people who have more power than you, simply put. I mean, you see, you need, you need, you need to hang out with higher status people because status rubs off, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, as my wife would do, was fond of telling me, I may be wonderful, but the fact that I'm at Stanford helps. And, uh, and that is certainly true. So you, you get status from the institutions you're associated with, but you also get status from the people that you associate with. So if you hang out with powerful people, um, that rubs off on you, plus which power Powerful people in general, because of their power, are better able to help you, to sponsor you, if they if they take an interest in you. So you need to you need to uh, you know you need to surround yourself with powerful people, and you need to manage those people. You need to to use the phrase you need to manage up. And the best way to manage up 
as frankly as to flatter people. Um, you know, you, the, the, everybody believes that flattery is can be seen through. That's, there's no evidence for that. People believe that flattery reaches a point of diminishing returns. There's actually no evidence for that either. Uh, so I tell people, flatter beyond the point where you think it's appropriate, and you'll find that you barely got to the right level. Mm, very interesting. And I agree with that. People like to be around people that, I don't want to know, just maybe... You know, people want to be make around. Feel good. Yeah, you want to be around people who make you feel good, pretty much. And if you're around people who who are flattering you and praising you and saying, "Man, you got a great golf swing," you know, and they might not even be full of it. They might just be overly exaggerating and saying, "Man, like your golf swing is so good. I wish I could swing a golf club as well as you could." Their golf swing might be fantastic. It's just you're complimenting them, and so it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And so I'm worried about people saying, "Oh, flattery? Well, that's not me." Hold on a second. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It could just be calling out their strengths and, and praising them for that. You know, you did a that's great correct. job on closing that deal, man. You know, if I could only learn that from you, you know, if only that's I could correct. Do it. Yeah, things like that's that. That's correct. And and you've actually pointed out, um, and it's smart of you to do this, that one of the best ways of flattering someone is to ask them for their advice, uh, to ask them for help. Because when you, when I say to you, you know, I really would like to learn from you, I really need your help in this, you are, you are to some extent saying, look, you know more than I do, and, and that's very, very flattering. So, mm-hmm. so asking for help, asking for advice is in fact uh, a form of flattery. Great approach. Great approach. And, and people are, unre- are very reluctant to ask for help or advice. We live in this world in which everybody <laughs> thinks they need to be self-sufficient, and it shows weakness if you ask for help and blah de blah but it's actually completely incorrect. You ought to ask for tons of help. Oh, completely agree with you. Completely agree with you, especially for, well, I don't want to even put it to the young folks out there, just anybody. I don't care what age you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. Ask for help. Yep. Uh, so something here that I find interesting, a lot of folks um, who are listening, you know, they, they want to build themselves up as thought leaders. Uh, they want to become, you know, the de facto expert in their field, whether or not it's, you know, become the expert in information security, become the expert in mobile app development, become the expert in, um, you know, uh, whatever it is. They want to become the expert. And so a part of this debate that goes on in their head is a little something between confidence and authenticity. You know, they want to exude confidence. They want to say, you know, I am the expert yet they're not quite there yet. They're not the expert, and yet they have to exude the confidence to be there. But at the same time, they have this internal debate where they say, is that my authentic self? You know, Am I truly an expert? What's your opinion on that? What matters more, confidence or authenticity? Confidence. Hmm. Why is that? Why, why is confidence more important than authenticity? Well, because uh, you know, confidence is contagious. I don't think anybody wants to be around people who are, who are filled with self-doubt and show that. Uh, Amy Cuddy's famous TED Talk talks about faking it until you make it. Mm. I think that is completely correct. I mean, you know, this idea, I think authenticity is uh, is grossly overrated. Authentic Authenticity says that you ought to be true to who you are, uh, but you need actually to not be true to who you are. You need to be true to two things. Number one, what the people around you need from you. And number two, the person that you're in the process of becoming. So, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody wants people uh, to, to, to tell them how uncertain they are, how insecure they are, how they don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, because they'll, they will rapidly gravitate to someone who doesn't express all that self-doubt and engage in this various uh, forms of what you might call self-handicapping. So there is a bunch of empirical research 
that suggests that even unwarranted self-confidence um, tends to cause people to be selected, to be chosen as leaders, um, and so you're better off expre- expressing confidence than than doubt and all this other stuff. Get get these, you know, get the negative scripts out of your head mm-hmm. because they will leak out, and people will say, you know. Uh, What's the biblical saying? The Lord helps those who help themselves. Mm. Um, I, I don't think many people are going to back someone who says, you know, I really want your backing, but I'm not so sure I can be successful. I mean, mm. people want to be associated with success, with triumph, with, uh, with, with, with people who, who they believe, and with, for that matter, with companies who they believe are going to be um, successful. And so, therefore, you have to exude the R of success. Every entrepreneur will tell you this. That one of the most important qualities of entrepreneurship is the ability to convince your investors, your employees, and your customers that you will be successful, even if you're not 100% certain of that at the moment. Mm. When we're talking about power, confidence is more important within the context of power. If you want to generate for yourself this uh, idea of having this power, you have to exude confidence because confidence equals power. And if you don't exude that, if you exude this authenticity of Listen, I'm going to do my best to get you the results you need. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm not sure about it. But if it does, we're going to be, we're going to be, be hitting a home run, baby. That's exactly how it's going to be. That right there, it, it, I kind of get weakness out of that. But if you go to the marketplace and you say, listen, I'm going to work tooth and nail to get you the result that you get. And based off experience, based off my lessons learned, based off those around me who I've worked with, we're going to get you the exact same result. Who do you want to buy into there? You're going to buy into the guy that's more certain of himself, who's more confident, you know, and that confidence, it just, it, it, it bleeds power. And so I, I, I agree with you. I wasn't too sure where I was going to stand on this before talking to you about it. But um, now that we've talked, I agree. I think when it comes to power, confidence is more important than authenticity. Way more. It's way more important. And, and, and you know, authenticity, as you nicely pointed out, is a word that everybody bandies about. And, you know, but there's not... <laughs> I had lunch today with somebody who was telling me, you know, that we're talking about the online dating profiles, which I think there's some data that suggests 85% of them contain misrepresentations. ADP, um, the large uh, company in the employment space, uh, says that 40% of online of, of resumes have factual errors in them, not not exaggerations, but where people have taken things and misrepresented dates of employment or where they worked or salary or educational credentials. Mm. Or so forth. Not that I'm suggesting anybody do that, but you know, in, in in a world in which you know misrepresentation is is common, the idea that you're going to compete with these folks, mm. you know, it's you have to. It's it's kind of an arms race. And if you say, well, you know, I'm not so sure how attractive I am. I'm not so sure how smart I am. I'm not so sure how much any of this stuff is. In in a world in which people are are self advocating and self promoting. Uh, you're going to get left behind. There's mm. not much doubt about that. So we're talking about power from a positive perspective. But what happens when power goes wrong? What can that do to somebody? So let's just say... What do you mean by power going wrong? <laughs> power is always a good thing. So if you have power and you use that power wrong, how can it be seen from a negative perspective? Well, you know, I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, but not everybody uh, steps up to the responsibility that comes with power. And... and and the idea of using power in quotes wrong, I think, is a matter of perspective. So to go back to my initial example where we define power as the ability to get your way in contested situations, uh, one of the things some years ago a colleague 
now deceased, um, did the study. He asked people, you know, he said, think of a time when you use power to get something accomplished in your workplace or in your life. And they said, okay, think of that. Okay, fine. Now tell me, how did you feel about the exercise of power on a one, you know, it's terrible and illegitimate to the 10 or something. It's fabulous and positive. Okay. So, and of course, people think when they use power, it's great. And then he said, okay, think of a time when someone used power against you. They got their way or they, you know, outcompeted you for a promotion or something. Okay. Think about that use of power and um, and uh, use the same scale. And, of course, now people rate power much more negatively. But, of course, if you had asked the people on the other side of those transactions, you would have gotten exactly the reverse answers. <laughs> so so whether, whether power is being used for good or for evil depends upon how one defines good and evil. And except for a few cases, um, it, oftentimes this is a very subjective definition. I mean, if I got the promotion and you didn't, is that good or evil? It depends upon whether it's you or me. Um, if I, if we got the product designed the way I wanted to and not the way you wanted to, is that bad or good? Well, again, it depends upon your perspective on the situation. I mean, I have people in finance telling me, complaining about the people in marketing and people in engineering complaining about the people in finance. And it's a, it's a very much a matter of perspective, which doesn't mean that good and evil is just relative. But in, 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 in typical social situations in an organizational context, it, where you stand depends upon where you sit. And so to say power is used for good or for bad depends upon you know, what you're trying to get done and whether the power is being used to advance what you think should happen or not. Hmm. How important is persistence to building power? Because I imagine that power doesn't come overnight. And I think that people, you know, in our, in our, you know, I don't want to say day and age, you know, but, but the way things are today, people like instant gratification. And in my mind, I don't think that power comes instantaneously. Power takes time to develop. So how important is persistence to the development of power? I think persistence and resilience are probably interrelated, but it's probably the most important qualities you can have. Everybody, almost everybody, will face setbacks. Um, many major political figures lost the first time they ran uh, for office. Uh, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix, will tell you about his prior CEO tenure where he not only got fired, uh, but he said he would have fired him <laughs> if he had been in a position to do it. Um, you know, I, the, 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 the sports teams lose, um, tennis players lose. Um, everybody will suffer reversals and setbacks. And the question is not, are you going to make mistakes? Are you going to have reversals? Are you going to have setbacks? The question is going to become, do you have the, the, the intestinal fortitude, the guts and the, and the drive to pick yourself back up, learn what you can from your experience, and try again? Um, so it is, So I think persistence and resilience are fundamentally important qualities. And I will bet on persistence and resilience over intelligence any day it's the people who keep going who are like you know like the terminator in the movie you know <laughs> i'll be back and indestructible um those are the people who succeed because they basically outlast and they wear down their opponents now that is a great note to end on power why some people have it and others don't by jeffrey pfeffer Really, really enjoyed talking to the man. Great interview, great guest, great energy, and uh, can't wait to get him back on the show. It'd be great to have him back. 
If you enjoyed this synopsis, if you enjoyed our conversation, then you might want to go pick up the book, Power. I highly recommend you guys pick it up. If you enjoyed my synopsis as well, if you enjoyed the interview, then please go online, go on iTunes, rate and review the show. It would mean a lot to me if you do. I know a lot of you guys listen aren't going to do it. Come on, guys. Come on. Do me a favor. Step up here. I'm putting all this free content. Give me a ranking or two here. Come on, guys. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I will catch you back here next week when we have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, and the interviews on Wednesday. Have a great week, a productive week. Take it easy. I love you guys. Bye.